Podcast dedicates to bring mental health awareness as a means to help us all heal. Personally, I want you to heal from this. I want my guests to heal from this. I I want to heal from this, personally. I just want everyone involved to get something out of the show. Because I just want us all to heal. Let's just... Heal together. And in this episode, I want us to heal through the words of Alyssa Alvarez, who's really been in a really great space in her life as of late. She's fresh off a social media break. She's just had 100 episodes of her own podcast or awakening 200 hours as a yoga teacher. She's continuing her journey as a Dharma expansion coach. Just a lot of really great positive stuff going on for her. And I think it led to some great conversation that I can't wait to share with y'all right now. But first, I just want to point out that if you listen to this episode and decide you want to see more of a positive journey, you can check out her personal Instagram at awakening.alyssa and her podcast Instagram at awakening. I just love saying that title. It comes off so smoothly off the tongue. Aura Awakening. Such a great title, which actually reminds me that she also has a website, AuraAwakening.com. There you can set up a coaching session or a chakra session with her, and I also recommend that you pick up her self-growth habits journal, which you can find on Amazon. I unfortunately don't have a copy of my own, but I recommend it on grounds that I personally know a couple people who have used it and have gotten tremendous results from it. and. You know, over on this podcast, we're all about journaling and talking about the importance of journaling. And if you haven't started your own journaling by now and you're not sure how, picking up the Habits Journal is a good start, I think. And finally, her show, or Awakening, can be heard on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as can this podcast, the Mental Health Check-In Podcast. This podcast can also be heard on YouTube, Google Podcasts. So if you're a new listener and you decide that you want to hear more of me, more of this podcast, you can hop over to practically any platform and follow, subscribe, and more importantly, share the whole reason I even do this podcast, whole reason I started it. It's because I really want the word sound here to reach the right people in the right moment. The people who need to heal, I think. So please share this with people who you think may need some healing right now. Text your buddies who need it, uh, tweet it, put it on your Instagram story. Whatever you do, I appreciate either way. And I'm sure someone who really needs to hear this, who's really struggling right now, will really appreciate it as well. And speaking of struggling, hanging into this episode, I recognize that though this 
conversation was filmed a couple weeks back, this episode is dropping some days after the election in the United States. Meaning that depending on the results, maybe regardless of the results, you may be feeling happy, relieved, angry, sad, scared, full of stress, full of anxiety. I don't know, I'm recording this intro actually before the night of the election, so I don't even know who won yet, but I do know that with stuff like this, there's a lot of emotion to come from it on both sides. So much emotion that I wish I had an episode or guests leading up to this that covered strictly how to deal with election anxiety the more I think about it. Because without results, I'm already seeing a lot of election anxiety right now. And I don't have an answer for it. I wish I did, but I'm not the smartest when it comes to politics, so I'm not going to pretend like I am. And I understand that for a lot of people, whether their guy won or not, the current climate is shaping to be a scary one if it's not one already. And I don't want to disrespect someone's agency by saying something insensitive or ableist or anything that disrespects that someone may be feeling during all this. But I do know that this podcast, if it's good for only one thing, it's for helping listeners apply things that my guests talk about, take it and apply it to their own life. My guests can give amazing words of wisdom and people can use it as a springboard to dig within their own lives and just help themselves with their own personal anxieties. Doing this has helped me personally in past episodes. I've been told by a couple other people that it helps them when they do this. And I think this episode is no different. Alyssa is a, among many things, a kindred spirit and just a really thoughtful person who spends a lot of her time in this episode offering suggestions on how to reduce stress, reduce anxiety, so I really hope that you can take something away from this episode to deal with whatever kind of anxiety is building up inside of you at this moment. It's the best I can offer right now, and I know that's not a lot, but I hope that it means a lot to the right people who really need it out there. So let's just get straight to it. Welcome back to the Mental Health Check-In Podcast. My next guest is a Dharma holistic coach, life coach. She is a podcaster in her own right as the host of Our Awakening. And formerly, she was a makeup artist, professional makeup artist for six years before she let that career go to focus on her true calling. She is Alyssa Alvarez. How are you doing, Alyssa? Great. Thanks for the introduction. You like hit all the points, Joe. Thank you. I'm great. Thank you so much. How's your mental health doing? Great at as of the last three days because I took a break from social media um, for the first time probably like ever in my life of being 24 years old. But I I feel like it's, you know, something day by day. And I love that this is called check-in because we really have to check in daily. Especially nowadays. And I'm glad you mentioned that. I kind of want to talk about that a little bit, how you're in a social media break. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like, how do you because it's hard to step away from social media, how do you mentally decide I need to check out for a while? I need to put a space between myself and these socials. Yeah, good question. So like I said, probably the first time I've ever done this in my life, 
when you realize that you're kind of a, a slave to this phone, you can't feel like you can be without it. Um, there was a point where I was looking at it first thing when I woke up, still in bed, checking Instagram, right? First thing before you go to bed to make sure, you know, your messages are clear or whatever. And I think either way, it is causing anxiety, but also a little bit of a dopamine generator. So I realized, okay, what are some other ways I can generate some dopamine? I still am allowing myself in this little detox, at least like watch TV. But I think focusing on social media, because there's not just one that we're on, especially if you operate a business on there. So then you roll in Facebook, and then we're approaching the election right now, which is like really triggering and just a lot of negative energy in the space. And then we've got Twitter. And then we've got, you know, our group chats and all these, all the noise. So when you realize that you can't even focus on your internal self at that time, it is a good time to maybe say, hey, let me challenge myself to see if I can realistically take a break, still have my email, still have my text messages available for business inquiries, but actually find a way that you can make a safe boundary for yourself and make it make it fun make it a reward for yourself instead of a punishment because i could be punishing myself for literally being addicted to this but also i think we're that's the point right they make these apps addicting so that we buy stuff and stay on it longer so that they make money with their ads so i everyone keeps telling me i need to watch social dilemma on netflix i still haven't watched it yet but i know that there's a science to why as humans we become so dependent on this and don't get me wrong there's some great perks to the apps but with our brain chemistry there's definitely a way that we can get sucked in so if you find yourself getting sucked in it's up to you whether you can take a break or not mm -hmm. and i think that's an important like middle ground you need to find like you said it can be very fulfilling to be on social media either for just your personal stuff or for your business but it comes with ebbs and flows. Like it's very, like you said, it's addictive. And that rush of literally everyone's opinions are in a timeline that can be anxiety-inducing and very, what's the word? Um, it can, it's just a lot at once, you know. So it's important to at least detox from that a little once in a while. Yeah. So I will definitely let you guys know how it works out. Um, I I haven't necessarily felt too many urges, but I go on my phone. I'm like, well, what am I supposed to do? What is what is there to do, really? But I've been looking through my pictures, cleaning out some things. Um, it's nice that I have my laptop, too, to where I can organize some files, kind of get stuff done that I normally don't because I'm busy checking messages or commenting back. And, and the thing about social media, too, is it's engagement-based. So if you're not engaging, you know, this algorithm that everybody is intimidated by, you know, it, it lets it, – it, they feel controlled by it. So when I started to feel really controlled by this, especially in my business and my social presence, I had to trust that nobody would forget about me. I wouldn't miss anything too important. And I think for my mental health, it's a, a good reminder that everything we need is within us. So all the dopamine that I may get from Instagram, I can create that through so many different practices. So we'll probably talk more about some of these fun practices I do. But I I think that social media is great, but there's a point where it can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you brought up something very interesting too, how like the fact that we do get addicted to this stuff is because 
you kind of feel like you are out of the loop. And like I, this is my first time recently taking a break from the podcast, and it kind of felt like it felt weird just not doing a podcast for one week. Though, like it, it was important because I just need to do that personal detox of my own. But it kind of felt like I was missing out on something. But the deeper I got into my like one week break, the more I realized that the world's going to keep going whether I'm on social media or not. And if I take that break, that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to forget about me or what I'm, what I'm providing. People are just, it kind of makes them want to see more of it, if that makes sense. Like, they're, if you build it, they will come, they will say. So they, if you take a break, they will just wait for you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a, a great way to validate the fear that we have of it's the FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. So if we trust that people will still be interested, then, and that's like a validation for ourselves. You know, we have friends and family we don't see for a while. Are we afraid that they're going to forget about us and not, you know, be interested in us? No, of course not. Cause we have ways to connect. So really seeing it as a way to connect in a healthy way and and then to share your gifts and your positivity for me is the way I love to use these platforms as well as community and meeting people online. Ever since I was so young, probably like 12 years old, I was connecting with people online, which is kind of dangerous for a preteen, but I, I didn't go in any scary tr- chat rooms, so that's good. But I mean, things like Club Penguin and Webkins, these were all ways for young people to connect through some kind of avatar. So if you can maintain the sense of authenticity through your personal avatar that you present on Instagram, then you meet people in real life, which is an incredible result because I've made a lot of friends through Instagram that I've been able to meet in real life. And then you stay in touch and maintain that relationship through however you connect virtually. Absolutely, And I did a virtual teacher training. I just remember that. And I was able to meet a lot of different people from all over because Citizen Yoga opened it up to anybody, not just Michiganders. So one day I'll meet some of these people virtually, but even a few people in Michigan. Um, I think it's great when you do have that virtual connection at first and then you're able to meet in real life. So it really does go both ways. But I think, you know, having text messaging is the OG way that we can stay connected. And even with text and and calls and email you have to set boundaries absolutely and i 100 percent agree with you there especially in this time where it's like during a pandemic so less people more people are going out less i think so i think that connection is very valuable if you know how to set boundaries with the social media apps and even with just people you know online as far as you know when to take a break just treat as people you know in real life Sometimes you need to take a break from people in real life every now and again. So that kind of brings a question to mind. I was kind of wanting to ask just like with all these connections you're making online, like how how do you make connections online? Because I feel like that is even more important nowadays. But people kind of struggle to find, I guess, online friends or like meet and connect people online because it's a lot harder than trying to do it verbally, I think. I think so too. And that's a really good question because I'll tell you what not to do to to start off because there's a lot of people who it's part of their 
algorithm maintenance where, oh, you you do yoga, you're into spirituality, we have something in common. Let me slide into your DMs and try to create an authentic conversation with you and get to know you. A few messages later after you exchange, oh, you know, I'm from here, I do this, I do that, they start to say, oh, well, I think you'd be a great candidate for my program, or I think you'd be a great um, you know, person on my team. They make it a sales pitch. And that's always where I get really offended because I'm more than just a, an easy sales pitch, right? And I can kind of clock when this happens. But a true way, if you're really trying to make real connections with people online, I am a big proponent for voice messaging because this person is really getting the closest thing to your true essence, which is your real voice. And being able to support each other rather than try to make sales from each other or whatever at first um, is really great because that could turn into a sale later on. I have a great example with a friend who lives in Florida who we met in what's called an engagement pod, which was a group of maybe 10 different random people who were, had the same niche. And we would comment on each other's pictures and you kind of got to be... Um, there's a certain way to do it because Instagram will flag certain things, but we did it in a, in a proper way. We were super respectful and, and there was really no pressure whenever we wanted to leave, we were able to leave. But me and her, her name's Sam, we were able to make a great connection just through actually reading the captions, actually paying attention to the posts, really checking in on their stories and seeing what their real life looks like. And I think it's a matter of how you're even presenting that is how you'll get some feedback about what you're doing and how you can truly connect with people. It's a two-way street. So because I was putting myself out there, she really connected with what I was doing. She was putting herself out there. I felt really connected to what she was doing. She's a graphic designer and virtual assistant. So later on, as we developed our friendship, I actually hired her for some work. So you can still support each other and still create that connection. And I think another good tip is like following up. If the conversation, you know, dies a little bit, or at least, you know, having a virtual friend, make sure you check up with them at least once a month see what's going on, have them kind of give a little rundown because it's really nice to have somebody to reflect all the things to. And again, give that support when you may be feeling a little lost on your journey. And the thing about, you know, having a virtual friend that may not know you in real life, you want to be able to transmute your energy in the virtual space. So being yourself and not sugar thing or being, you know, this version of you they think will accept, um, it's key because that's how you could, can create like a sustainable friendship. And she, we always say like, she's one of my best friends and I've never met her in real life. Maybe we'll, we will one day, maybe not, but I'm so grateful that, you know, either way, some kind of community having a similar purpose connected us. We were able to maintain that steady conversation without any hidden agendas. And I think that goes true with real life friendships as well. I made a friend who has a similar career path than me in Michigan, and we've just been hanging out, enjoying each other's company without any hidden agenda. And I think, you know, if you're someone who has a tendency to accidentally kind of have these agendas and want to network and get to know people, maybe take a look at what's going on with the ego and think of, is this coming from a fear-based place? 
can I not allow myself to really have true friendships? Because in our society, we have wounds around friend groups and how we felt growing up and it can be really hard. So being honest with yourself, I think, is one of the first steps to even trying to maintain these connections. Yeah, very, very well said there. And I hope you and Sam do meet, by the way. And I think you brought up something very important. Like, it feels like, I think when people try to make online friendships, in some cases at least, people forget to leave room for authenticity. Like you said, like, people, this is very much a, I guess, like a hustle type of society in a lot of ways where people are always striving to grow themselves or grow their business. And while it's important to make collaborations along the way, it's important to make friendships out of collaborations rather than turn collaborations into friendships. If you're assigned to someone's DMs trying to create business opportunity or sell a pitch to someone, then that's that's never going to last, even if you do get past the awkward, hey, you should join my team type of deal. Like it's because it it's it stems from a weird place of like like they always say don't mix business with pleasure and if you don't have room for pleasure, pleasure being friendship, of course, then the business is going to override everything and it's just it's just going to get messy, I think. So I think leaving room for authenticity is a key point in building online. Yeah, and I, I to piggyback, I agree with what you said about not mixing business and friendship. Typically, it doesn't work out. And, you know, that's just an honest conversation you have to have with you and the person about your expectations and when the entrepreneur hat comes off, because we can only wear so many hats. And when you're giving feedback, when you're giving direction, and when you're in a space where maybe you're the captain and your friend is helping you, everybody can be really sensitive and it can really stifle the fun you have in the friendship. And I've experienced that firsthand. So now I try to only hire people that I may know through creative connections to support them. You know, the friendship came later after knowing, like you said, the collaborating or someone I don't even know at all to support them and to then create that connection. So it's up to you if you want to do business with your friends, but there's so many people out there who are wanting some kind of internship. So make their dreams come true if you're looking to hire. I 100% agree with you there. It's kind of easier to build friendships and then say, oh, do you want to do a business thing? But I have to, me personally, I need to know that person for a while. Like there's a trust factor, I think. It's a lot easier for me to be friends with someone for X amount of months, X amount of years, than say, oh, you're really good with designs. Can I can I hire you? Can I commission you to do a design opposed to going to a graphic designer I don't know and I don't know if they're going to do a good job, don't know if they have the best intentions. It's easier to bring a friend along for that ride than trusting a stranger. But that's just me personally. I don't know how you feel about that. You know, I think word of mouth is a really great thing because let's say you don't know somebody, but your friend recommended them and they say they do a great job Um, or build in an authentic way and remembering, oh, yeah, doesn't so-and-so's cousin do that? You know, like expanding so much to where you have a kind of a sister trust factor where you may not trust them, but you trust somebody who trusts them. And I think that's where 
it can be okay. And, you know, the worst thing that could happen is it doesn't work out and you maybe wasted your money. It's a learning experience and then you move on. But I think, you know, being an entrepreneur and doing all these business things, you really have to find what aligns with your ethics and your values. And I think no matter what you choose, people are going to respect that and just respect the fact that you're even making these moves, you know, hiring people, delegating things. These are things that are really good for your mental health to kind of circle back to the topic because we can do anything, but we can't do everything. So honoring that, okay, I'm good at what I do, but I'm totally not a web designer. I need to find somebody. Maybe I should ask Alyssa because she's worked with people before, you know, and being able to take my word for it because you trust me. And I, I love giving recommendations like that. That's a great point, too. And to detour a little bit away from business, well, kind of in the same realm, more towards, I guess, steering back from your brand a little bit, like and steering back to the whole social media break talk. When you go back to when you when you go back to your brand away from the social media break, you will have 100 episodes of Aura Awakening and you'll have 200 days as, I'm sorry, 200 hours of being a yoga teacher. So I guess my first question is just, what have you learned over the course of the last 99 episodes of your podcasting journey and just your Aura Awakening journey as a whole? Yeah, well, you know, I'll go back to January 2019. So basically almost, you know, two years. I think what I've learned is the only constant is change. The only thing that we can expect is that we'll always be evolving and changing and growing. And even just about two weeks ago, I decided I'm going to change the target market for my brand to young girls because Right now, I'm getting a wind of inspiration that I need to help this market right now. So in throughout the podcast journey, I think channeling your voice is a great way to explain what podcasting is because you've really got to tune into how you want to articulately put things out there. And for me, I interview Metro Detroit entrepreneurs and conscious creatives. So being able to kind of tap into my small journalism experience I had in high school and be like, okay, how can I make this interesting, make this cohesive and consistent, but also have fun and truly just get to know these people. Cause that's mainly the purpose for me of why I interview certain people. So I just want to get to know them a little bit more intimately, but it's nice that so many people can be in on this conversation and benefit from it. I myself benefit from these conversations quite a bit. And you know, I think everything with the yoga training and my coaching training in these past two years, I think being able to go into something and just throw spaghetti at the wall, do it messy, not be afraid of the outcome, because I did have fears going into this whole purpose that I'm following, especially because I'm pretty young. I started coaching when I was like 23. So making these wounds you have and turning them into the wisdom that you know is going to uplift you and support you. Because even though we're talking about friendships and social media and how that can be super supportive at the end of the day, you only have you to be your own cheerleader, your own coach, your own guide. So reminding myself that too of, yes, I have so many people in my corner, but if I'm not believing in what I'm doing, then 
not going to come off as authentic. So really tuning into the internal voices that you're hearing and, and what the world needs from you and meeting that energy where you're at. And I think transmuting that to like tie it all together, bringing that into the body and allowing your body to feel those sensations, whether it's through something like yoga, dancing, martial arts, whatever your medicine is, being able to fully feel that instead of just running through the motions. Um, Because there's always some deeper underlying benefit that we can experience from any kind of movement practice. So I found that I kind of love to just dance more than yoga, even though yoga is a huge part of what I do. I think there's other ways to find that sense of release and it's day by day. So some days I will totally be down to do a yoga practice. Other days I don't want that structure and I want to just dance to some fun music and let go. Other days I'm turning on a YouTube video to do some Tai Chi because I want to challenge myself. So really meeting yourself where you're at throughout the journey is some great advice I would give as well because our mental health is something that's always changing as well. And being able to kind of surrender as well and say, hey, I might need to go to therapy because that's what's best for me. I need somebody to talk to. I'm in a leadership role, a lot of pressure on me. I have, you know, past traumas and don't ever let anybody invalidate whatever trauma you've been through because it's all macro micro. And I've been told I've never experienced trauma before. And I was like, oh, well, that's a huge judgment. So I'm going to not let that affect me. And let myself honor everything I've felt and not let that make me feel small. So being able to see and hold the vision for whatever your big dream is and kind of know that future you and current you are the same. So trusting that you're already experiencing what you desire to kind of play out with your purpose, you're already experiencing that in a different timeline. So trusting that whatever choices you make and whatever change happens, that you'll be able to get there, however it's supposed to be. Absolutely. Very well said. And I kind of want to throw back to something you said earlier, because I thought you said something very interesting when talking about how mental health connects to the body, because I always thought that was very interesting. I don't know much about the brain and neuroscience, but I think there's something to that, how doing things with your body helps release something in your mind that kind of feels like lifting a weight off your shoulder. Like for you, it's yoga and dancing. For me, it's exercising specifically, like bodybuilding a little bit. And every time I do it, I just feel calmer. And like, I know it's 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 also a self-fulfilling thing because I'm just, it feels like I'm doing something good for my body, but also just for my mind, it's just releasing something. I'm not sure what's releasing, but it just feels, whatever stress I may be feeling, it's gone after like a 40, 50 minute workout. Yeah, well, that's just energy. Mm-hmm. And, and and trusting that you're an energetic human being. A lot of people, you know, they're like energy, huh? Mm-hmm. No, and it's like, well, I have some science to back it up. But I think tuning into, and maybe just doing some self-education on the chakra system is a great gateway to understanding what is this water skin sack that I'm in? Because I know there's energy inside. I just, I know I feel things. And like you said, the weight on your shoulders, why am I feeling that? Because it's close to your heart and there might be something weighing on your heart. Mm 
why do I have a sore throat and why am I having a hard time speaking up? Well, the throat chakra is a great thing to work on and when you're feeling choked up or unheard. Maybe you're having a hard time with discipline and willpower and maybe you're getting stomach aches. The solar plexus is in that area. So all these things energetically and kind of like with our personality and our body makeup, they they align completely. And there's more than just seven chakras, but it's a little more complicated after that. But being able to kind of get some entry level education about the energetics of the body, just like we learn about the muscles and the ways that we can achieve our goals physically, how can we achieve our energetic goals so that we can find that alignment? And that's why yoga is a great way to find a little bit of both because you're getting the alignment of the physical body, but also the energetic body. And there's something in yoga called the koshas. And the final layer is the bliss body. So the feeling you said you feel after you exercise is typically what people feel in any sort of movement practice because we're reaching our bliss. And when we find that state of bliss, it helps us for just a minute to kind of forget about anything else that we've experienced. They always say when you come to yoga, oh, you know, let go of everything you experience. Um, You know, now you're on the mat, you're here, you're present. So also being present with whatever movement practice it is that you're doing so that you can energetically release from your mind what's going on outside of this present moment. And again, it's like a meeting yourself where you're at. It's going to be different every time you go into your movement exercise practice. Maybe you won't be able to lift the same amount you did the other day. And that's okay because change is the only constant. So I think a good resource if people really wanted to learn about trauma in the body and neuroscience, all those things. It's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. I haven't even read the whole thing yet because it's huge, but it's it's a great connection to make because then you have the thought bubble of, okay, I have this knowledge. I'm applying it to myself a little bit, but who do I want to help? Because ultimately, I think we're all on this planet to help each other in some way. So how can I be of service to somebody else? And maybe that's just starting a podcast, you know, something as simple as that. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you recommended that too. I read uh, The Body Keeps the School a couple months back. Such a great read. So I co-signed that recommendation as well. And we've been talking about a lot about dharma and yoga and chakras. So I kind of, I'm kind of curious now as to, well, first, can you explain exactly what dharma is and how does that How's that yoga and chakras tie into your journey of self-discovery, self-healing on like a personal level? And how did you begin this journey to begin with? Yeah, well, I'll start off with explaining Dharma because I I totally am a past life believer. I think it's really uh, a real thing if you tune into your dynamic personality. But in layman's terms, it's just like your soul's purpose. Whatever your soul has been able to achieve and maybe not achieve in the this, you know, there's really no timeline. So the fact that we've been able to live maybe some of their lives and our soul is longing to do something, maybe based off those past lives too, maybe it changes as you get into your different forms. But Dharma kind of goes into two different parts, which is your inherent nature and what's alien to you. 
So things that are in my inherent nature are to help people, to be a speaker, to be a leader. Something that's alien to me is numbers and like following through with appointments, things that I I don't typically like to do. So I know that that's not going to be what I follow. I'm not going to be somebody who always schedules my appointments. Maybe I have somebody to help me with that. So thinking about your soul's purpose, what do you really drawn to do? And I know I've always been drawn to help empowering people. And I think, you know, like you mentioned, I used to be a makeup artist at that time. That was my way to empower women specifically. And then I started to realize, well, now that this is causing me more stress than joy, what's the next step, right? So I started getting into movement meditation through hula hoop dancing. I started getting into learning about crystals that led me to the chakras. It was kind of like this rabbit hole I was going down. And my last stop actually was the yoga practice. But through the yoga practice really led me to a floodgate of community of healers, light workers, all these amazing people that were there to welcome me in a really genuine way. Um, rather than, hey, join my team, you know, we're going to profit off of each other because that's a wound I have of people scouting me, thinking I'm a good candidate for their whatever it is. I knew that this felt more in alignment with my soul's purpose because all these people had a similar way of wanting to help heal other people. So with all this knowledge I've been able to gain and and maybe lose because I feel like our brain only has so much capacity. Um, I've been able to kind of let certain things stick through. I think my book collection is such a great way for me to go back to a lot of the memories and the the ways I've been able to learn. But also I, I do enjoy video course content where you have a course for forever and you can go back to it at any time. But I think finding a way that you can, it's called self-study in yoga philosophy, finding a way that even if you're not in school, even if you're not, maybe you are in school, but where's the school for your personal development? What's the curriculum for that? You are the deciding factor of what you're going to put your extra attention into. So I put my extra attention into all things wellness and health. And like I was mentioning about the podcast, January, 2019, the universe was sending me so many messages that you do not need to be working for other people anymore. And you need to find a way to fulfill whatever you feel like your purpose is right now. And my purpose felt like I wanted to share all the things I was learning and talk to other people about how they have been able to embody their purpose. So now, you know, a hundred episodes later, I am really grateful to have shared so many stories and share a little bit of mine as well. And the thing about the journey, you know, it's not linear. There's been many times where I just don't meditate. There's been many times where I don't feel super spiritual and that's okay because we're always going to be embodying some different energy, especially as we age. I birthday, I've been able to kind of reflect upon what my next goal is. And now I have this youth mentorship idea at my forefront. And I think another way to kind of understand your dharma is what is sustainable for me? Is this going to sustain in a legacy? 
will this impact people after my soul is no longer here? So really taking a look at the end game of your purpose. And it's okay if you don't know what your purpose is. But I think there's a always a little voice in us that tells us, you really like this. You should pursue this. But so many fears, societal norms, and judgments of others and ourselves stop us from throwing that spaghetti at the wall, doing it messy, and just starting somewhere. I didn't have the greatest equipment when I started my podcast. I don't know if anybody would have listened, but I just started somewhere and it's led me to so many great opportunities as well as my like yoga practice. I do not consider myself somebody who's athletic, but I just went for it and it's amazing. So not letting fear stop you is like a huge takeaway from that tangent I just went on. (laughs) Absolutely. And like, I think that's, People have to understand that it's very much a process. Like it's going to be a little bit messy in the beginning, but you have to be willing to accept the mess, I think, like accept the process. And I think you've done a tremendous job of doing that. You've taken you've taken a gamble on yourself and 100 episodes later, 200 hours of yoga teaching later, it's really paid off. And in hearing your tremendous journey, it kind of hit me that you kind of do a lot of stuff. You're very busy. You're very, you're called to do a lot of things. I think that's really cool in itself, but I also, I'm sure that comes with a lot of stress and anxiety. So how do you manage that stress and anxiety? So that's a great question. My advice would be whenever something is truly weighing on you to the point where it's like you don't want to show up and do it anymore. It's not serving you. That's the time where you got to allow yourself to let it go and create that boundary and put yourself first. I don't think that's a selfish act because your your self-care and your mental health is important. So validate that. And, you know, I, I work in a yoga studio part-time and I told them recently, you know, I'm really enjoying this. Right now, I need to reduce my hours because I'm not fully taking care of myself and my health anymore because I'm always here. So even if it comes down to, you know, money and finances, what's really worth it? Your health or well-being or money? Yeah, money, we need it to pay our bills and such. But I think that there's always going to be a way to where it's working smarter, not harder. And for me, I've been able to find a way to be smart with how much energy I put into my soul's purpose, but also family, partner, friends. It's looking at your life as a circle about with about eight different slivers. It's like the pizza of life, but it's a way that we can find balance within all the different areas and look at what's suffering. So my health and wellness was suffering because I was working too much on my purpose. So I had to take a step back and realize I've got to fill my cup before I try to serve other people because I can't pour from an empty cup. It's just not going to work. And even with, you know, makeup artistry and how I put that on the back burner and I'm no longer having that at the forefront, that kind of messed with my identity because for six years, that's who I was. But trusting that you're allowed to evolve is something that we have to surrender to. I'm not always going to be the same person. And and my friends and family can't expect that of me. But my constant is the purpose that I have to help heal other people. 
So whatever way I'm going to do that, maybe it's I'm doing a Reiki training soon. You know, there's always going to be different tools in the tool belt. But knowing that you have to maintain the maintenance, (laughs) maintain the maintenance, like you have to go and take a bath. You got to go and talk to somebody at therapy. You have to, to have that like leniency on yourself too, that you don't have to be perfect. You are doing the best that you can and you're taking one day at a time. And I think those gentle reminders of loving compassion are really significant because we're often so hard on ourselves and we're so overly disciplined to where we burn out. So avoiding burnout, knowing that that's not your friend, knowing that that's not a safe place to be and speaking up when you feel like you're not having fun anymore. Like having fun is my first job. If I'm not having fun, if I'm not enjoying myself, if I feel so low vibrational to the point where it could be categorized as depression, I know that I need to make some shifts and changes. Absolutely. Very well said too. And I think to piggyback off that, it's worth saying that people listening to this should, above all else, look after themselves first and foremost. I don't mean that in a selfish way necessarily. I mean that in a way that you're the only person that's going to wake up with yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror. You have to deal with yourself and everything you do and the repercussions of that and the stress that comes along with that most importantly. And if you're feeling too much stress, no matter how much success you have or how well you're doing at your job, it's, a, it's important to take a step back and reassess your situation. Think about how do I reduce as much stress as possible? How do I do the best for myself? How do I look out for myself and my mental health? So looking after yourself should be your priority for everyone, first and foremost. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it sucks that there's a stigma and kind of an uncomfortable nature talking about mental health and understanding But that's why it's up to us to kind of go down our own rabbit hole of whatever we find interest in, because there's so many resources out there. And maybe it's just starting with meditation, not even with music or guided, just sitting there with your thoughts and knowing that this isn't supposed to be relaxing. Again, it's that maintenance. It's not always going to be fun, but how can you find those fun peaks throughout the day? On my Instagram, you'll you'll see me once I'm back. You know, I always take little dance breaks and try to have fun and keep things light because our world is really heavy right now. And to be able to shine whatever it is that you bring to the table, shining that so unapologetically really makes people happy. And the people that feather where they get their feathers ruffled from you, then they're not meant to receive the light that you bring. So don't worry about everybody liking you because you're not supposed to be liked by everybody. And I think that's another fear that comes up when trying to put yourself out there or even ask for what you need is, oh, they're not going to like that. Oh, they're going to think I'm weak. But surrendering and trusting that your mental health and your physical health come first. It's, you know, we, we go to the doctor. We're encouraged to go to the dentist and go see an eye doctor. Why don't we have have more access to talking to a coach, a therapist, um, a mentor, whatever the title is, having somebody to be your confidant 
not your friends or family or your partner because they hear about your problems just, you know, just in conversation, having a safe space and, and to maybe learn something, gain some exercises. I've been doing therapy since June and it's been a really great experience because normally I'm on the other side of the Zoom call, you know, and now we do everything virtually, which is fine. It's as long as you have a room that your pet isn't distracting you. Um, you should be good to have the virtual therapy. It's still the same potent um, release that you need to just talk it out with a non-judging, biased person on the other end. Absolutely. And I think that might be a perfect place to end on and get people to chew on a little bit. Mm -hmm. So first, I thank you for coming on this podcast. But before we go, I have this final segment I do with all my guests. I call it giving people their flowers Why? tell people why and how I appreciate them in case we never speak again. And I appreciate you because you always came off as like a guiding light to me. Like you really shine a light to other people. You have this natural genuineness to your energy and to your aura. No pun intended, but um, you have this genuineness that it seems decade to not only seeing the best in people, but also bringing the best out people. And I remember noticing that the first time I met you at Mickey's photo shoot about a year ago. And um, I remember like we bumped into each other a few times that day, but in one particular instance, we had this long but brief conversation. And I remember in this one instance, I really, whatever it was about this conversation, it really highlights me your type of spirits and what your intentions are very good intentions so i feel like people like you are really hard to come by for lack of a better phrase people like you are hard to come by so i hope that you use everything you've been called to do to continue to shine a light on people and i'm very proud of the progress you've had with 100 episodes 200 hours so congratulations on that and i hope Actually, more than hope, I manifest nothing but the best for you going forward in your career and your life. And again, I thank you for coming on. Aww, thanks, Joe, for those kind words and holding the vision for me. Mm -hmm. You're an awesome dude. And thanks for holding space for these important conversations about mental health, because we need more of these conversations. Mm -hmm.